I ask you to open your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. So, I cross-dressed at church one time. Yeah, you heard me. I, I didn't misspeak. I, I, I said, yeah, I, I cross-dressed at church one time. And it was one of those things where, you know, I didn't read the, I didn't ask about the terms and conditions before I agreed to something. Have you ever done that? You know, never, you know, didn't stop and ask the terms and conditions of what you were agreeing to. You know, the thing that when you're reading on your phone and asking, do you agree to this? And you really don't read it at all. You just click, I agree, because what's the worst that could happen? Yeah, it's one of those moments. And it, it, it was really a lesson that taught me in the church that it's very important to ask that question before you agree to anything. Um, just ask your church board members. They can, they can tell you. Make sure you ask their terms and conditions of what you're getting yourself into. If you've been any, if you served anywhere in church leadership, if you've learned, okay, what am I getting myself into? Well, I was 14 when this happened, so I didn't know any better yet. So this is what happened. My youth leader was in charge of teaching children's church for this particular Sunday. And she called me up the night before and she said, Jason, can you help me with children's church tomorrow? And I was like, what's the worst that could happen? Sure, I'll help you. Well, I get there this that, that next morning and she hands me a script for a skit that we were going to be doing. And it was a long, it was the story of Samson. And I was going to play a part in this skit. But I was not going to be Samson. I was not going to be the muscle, muscle guy in the story. No, I was going to play the part of Delilah. The villainess who helps kind of lead Samson astray. But I want you to know, I proudly put on that curly haired wig, that frilly dress, and I acted out that part of Delilah to the best of my ability. But never again, when my youth leader, Deanna Steinbrook, asked me to help her, did I trust her blindly. Lesson learned. Um, when it comes to our faith, I think it's extremely important that we understand the terms and conditions of what we are getting ourselves into. And God doesn't keep any secrets from us. He doesn't hide it from us. He, he puts it all right there for us to see and to know. And, and really, the terms and conditions, that's the purpose of my calling in life. You know, my call is to preach the word. It's that simple. Preach the word. And that call to preach the word is for me, for me and for you to, to help understand the terms and conditions outlined for us here in the pages of the scripture that God has for us. And those terms and conditions help us to understand How grace works in our life is it is it is it a is it a work of God or is it based on our effort 
Those are the terms and conditions we look at through the pages of Scripture. So today's sermon is called Eternally Secure. And the question we are asking is, are we eternally secure? All right, so Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to be reading verses 21 through 23. And it says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So are we, are we eternally secure? And I'm sure most of you have heard it said to you at some point in your life that one sin can keep you out of heaven. Have, have you heard that said to you? One sin can keep you out. And we know that, that if we have one sin in our lives, that, that we, we will not be able to make it into heaven. And the opposite of heaven, the alternative to going to heaven is going to hell. And it's because of those choices, those, those drastic alternatives, heaven and hell, that's why we make a decision to follow Jesus, right? We have, we have decided to follow Jesus based on that. And when we placed our faith in Jesus, made that decision to follow him, God's grace washed over us, washed away our sins, and made us a new creation. You're a new creation born again into this world, filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and he, that spirit is at work in, in you. And sin no longer has a hold on you because of the spirit's work going on inside of your, of your heart. Are you with me? All right. Now, now, it's important that you guys pay attention today because if you don't, you might be calling Dr. Powell saying, Pastor Jason's preaching heresy today. All right. And he's just going to laugh. <laughs> um, but, if, if, but here's the thing. The Spirit has come into our lives. And sin no longer has a hold on us. Does that mean our decisions, lifestyle, and actions have no bearing on our ticket to paradise? Are we eternally secure? So let's kind of look at this passage a little bit more in depth. I know it's only three verses, and you're probably excited thinking, how long could this man talk on three verses? Well, don't get too excited. I preached for 45 minutes on one verse in Amos once. All right, here we go. <laughs> it says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Sin is who you used to be. That was your identity, sin. You pursued the things that you wanted. And then once you got the things that you wanted, you pursued the things that would help you protect the things that you wanted. Because you didn't want to lose them. 
Now, in your effort to get those things, you might have made some compromises morally. Did some things that went against the will of God, but in the end you justified it because you were happy. Yeah, you know, it's like I got this and it made me happy for the moment. So that makes it okay, right? I mean, God wants me to be happy. That's what we say to ourselves to rationalize it. That beast inside, you know, we, we, we had this beast that was inside of us that was really awful. Because it, would just, it really was just seeking the things to please yourself. And it would use other people and even use the things of God to get what you wanted. And, but you would rationalize it away, saying, you know, I'm really not that bad of a person, you know. Well, at least I didn't kill anybody. That's who you used to be. And because you had sin in your life, that puts you in opposition to God. And let's be honest, when you would come to church, when you were living a life of sin, and you would come to church, and God and the preacher got there start talking, or the Sunday school teacher, you would find yourself probably a little squirmy in your chair, wouldn't you? Because they would get up and read the word of God to you. And without fail, something they would say would remind you that you are at odds with God. That you are not at all living the lifestyle that God called us to and had outlined it for us according to his laws. And for some reason, you couldn't put your finger on it because you knew God loved you, but, but you, you just did, would not want anything to do with God. And that's largely because you knew if you hung around God long enough, you were going to have to face that monster that was inside of you. And you didn't want to deal with that. You didn't want to deal with that monster inside of you because you knew that if you did so, you, you, might, you might have to give up some of the things that you loved. Some of the things that brought you pleasure in life, you would have to surrender. So it wasn't that you disliked God necessarily. It's just, why would he ask you to give up those good things that you enjoyed? I mean, yeah, they were wrong, but were they really so bad? That's who you used to be. And I want you to understand something. It's, sin, when it says sin alienated us from God and made you enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, I want you to understand that God did not choose you to be his enemy. That was not the will of God. That was not what God wanted. And, it was, and even in, as you were living your life of sin and God looked at you, he was not looking at you and saying, well, this is my enemy. No, that's not what he's saying. No, we chose to be enemies of God. That was the decision we made for ourselves. And our fear, of, our fear of God, knowing that he was all-powerful, almighty, and, and that he was holy, and that that, that holy standard wasn't going to change just to, to make us happy, it brought fear of wrath into our lives, along with guilt and shame, and it mixed with pride, and it kept you from seeing the truth. But again, that's who you used to be when sin was your master. That's who you used to be. But verse 22, thank goodness, that was, that was terrible. Verse 22, But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. This is who you are now. 
This is your identity now. However grace found you, whenever you heard God's whisper into your life, and you have placed your, your, your faith in Jesus, and from that moment, you were never, have never been the same because sin stopped having a hold on you. Amen? Jesus' blood washed away those, those stains and set you free. I want you to understand. God loved you so much that he became flesh. He became human just like us. In every way possible, he was human just the way we are human. You know those ugly stains that his blood washed away? Those were your stains. They belong to you. And you were guilty and you deserved the cross. That cross was meant for you. But God loved you so much that he became human. Came down to earth and he said, I will take your place. I love you that much. I am going to come and I am going to die so I can be with you. And so Jesus on that cross, he took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of your guilt and wore it for you. And because of what he did for you, there is no one to accuse you anymore. It's like you're the woman caught in adultery in, in John. Do you remember the story? The woman's caught in adultery. And she's standing there. And all the religious leaders are standing there. And they're shouting at Jesus. Hey, this, you know what this woman did. She, we've caught her in the act. And she deserves to die. And Jesus walks up to him, right? And he, he says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone and one by one, they dropped the stones and left until it was just Jesus and the woman. What does Jesus say to her? Woman, where are your accusers? They're not here. Now go and sin no more. And that's how we are because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. We are like that woman who was caught in adultery standing there. Caught red-handed, completely, completely guilty, yet Jesus standing there saying, Look, there's no one here to accuse you. You are forgiven. And by faith, you have accepted the amazing grace. And that is who you are now. Glory be to God. All right, verse 23. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not from the not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. 
What Paul is writing here is that if you've placed your faith in Jesus, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, then the work is indeed finished. The work of the cross is done. You are standing there, not just, you know, uh, no longer guilty, but, but, but with walking blamelessly and holy in the sight of a holy God through the power of faith. And by your faith in Jesus, it's, it's a faith that's established and firm. It's established and firm. Why? Because it's built upon the, the solid rock. The solid rock is Jesus. He's the God that created everything. The same God that came and died for you. And if you build your life upon that foundation, there is no storm that can come and move and ruin it. There is no wind because remember, the God that your life is built upon, he is the same God that looked the storm in the face and said, peace be still, and then had to obey him. If you continue in your faith, you won't be moved from the hope held out in the gospel. Think about it. You were living a life of sin wandering in the darkness and somehow God's grace found you and if his grace can find you like that when you're at your worst what makes you think it's going to abandon you in the dark times It's your hope from here to eternity. Your faith is established and firm, not, not moved from, from the hope held out in the gospel. Your faith is eternally secure. Hello? <laughs> it cannot change. But notice the terms and conditions there. Notice the terms and conditions. Your faith is eternally secure if you continue in your faith. Amen. So the answer to our question this morning is, and the question, let me remind you what it was, is are we eternally secure? And the answer to the question is yes. We are eternally secure. However, there are some terms and conditions. Well, why do you say that, Pastor? And this is the part where you might end up writing Dr. Powell. But understand, I'm not, I'm not teaching heresy here, so it's really important that you listen to what I'm saying. That if you continue in your faith, understand the work of Jesus is finished. When Jesus was on that cross, and he's taking that last breath, remember what he says? He says, it is finished. And when he said that, he breathed his last breath, it was indeed finished. It was finished once and for all, for all time, for everyone throughout all of time and space. 
There is nothing that can happen in this world or in this universe to undo the work of God. It is completed. Salvation is here and available. It is done. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take it away. God's hand is never going to pull back and say no more. It's here and open to all of us because of the work of Jesus. A work that never changes. And that, my friend, that, that work, that salvation is eternally secure. That work itself. But we have to understand just because the work itself is eternally secure, it does not change free will. It does not change free will. Jesus made the choice to go to the cross. And while I, I love the song, How Deep the Father's Love, I'm going to challenge a lie in the song. It wasn't my sin that held him in there. No, it was his love for me that held him there. And he made that decision each and every every step of the way. And even notice in the, in the, in the crucifixion story, what is it Jesus says? It says, it says he says, it's, it is finished. And then he breathes his last. And then what did he do? He gave up his spirit. He gave it up. He made the decision to give it away. Death did not take it from him. It did not steal it from him. Jesus gave his spirit to death. He had the free will to make that decision. Now think about the faith in your life. God, God's pursued you from the moment you were born. And how many times did you not ignore his voice? But at some point in your life, you recognized your need for God and that you couldn't do it without him. And you made a decision. You made a decision that, you know what? I am no longer going to let sin rule my life, but I'm, I, I have decided to follow Jesus. And when you made that decision, the spirit fills you and changed you from the inside out, made you a new creation. And we said it earlier, and sin no longer had a hold on you. But the death of Jesus, what we, we don't realize and we, we tend to forget is, the death of Jesus did not change the nature of sin. Sin still separates us from God. Sin is still puts us in opposition to God. No, what Jesus' work at Calvary did, it was to change the nature of you and me. To change us from selfish, self-pursuing creatures into children of God. And that's a choice we have to make. See, while the work, while the work itself, while the work of salvation is eternally secure, and it will always be available to us in faith, we have to make the decision to follow Jesus. 
And if you've never been told this before, when you become a Christian, the world doesn't stop spinning. The life, the lives happening around you don't stop. Uh, the, the blood of Jesus is not a magical lucky charm. You still live in a world full of brokenness and sin. A world where evil is still trying to get you back into its grasp. But because the work is eternally secure, every time you come to, the, to a temptation, you can look at that temptation and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. When those dark moments in life comes and you're being, you don't know how you're going to pay your next bill, you can have hope because you know that your father's storehouse never runs empty. And you, you can make the decision to follow Jesus instead of living in the fear and reacting in fear to what's going to happen. Your faith is what makes you eternally secure because the work is eternally secure. But you see that, that our faith is, is not something where we make a one-time decision and that's it. It's a, a moment-by-moment -moment decision that we make. Each and every day of our lives, each and every moment of our lives, we stop and we say, I have decided to follow Jesus. And if you continue in your faith, established and firm, it is eternally secure. Jesus said to, to his disciples, I believe it was, let me, let me find it. I don't want to mess the quote up. Jesus said to his disciples, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. That promise is yours through faith in Jesus and through faith in Jesus alone. And it's a promise that is eternally secure if you continue in your faith. You have to continue to make the decision to follow Jesus. One sin can keep you from heaven. You can, you can just make that decision to follow Jesus. And then you can make a decision to not have enough faith to trust him in a moment. And do something contrary to his will. And that one sin that you commit because of that, that one time you back away from your faith, that can keep you out of heaven. The reason being is, is, is not because God stops loving you. It's not because God doesn't have the power to save you. It's because you have made a willful decision to step out of his presence into the darkness. God is holy and his standard is holy. And it does not change because we don't like it. It doesn't change because our standards get, our, our times get difficult. That standard doesn't change because the government says we can't meet together. It remains the same. So the one sin can keep you out. The failure to confess that sin is not believing in the eternally secure work. 
Do you, do you realize that when we when we are as believers decide to not follow the will of God in our lives, to to step outside of what He has for us, it is saying to God, we do not trust, we do not have enough faith in Your work. We do not have enough faith in you and what you have done for us. Remember, it's the work that is eternally secure. And if we decide, if we don't have enough faith, if we don't place our faith in that work, then how can we be eternally secure? We can't be. That's the terms and conditions. But I want you to know something, friend. Well, one sin can keep you out of heaven. The truth is, if you love God, your heart will not let you. You see, we think back, we talk, when we talk about backsliding, we say, well, one sin will keep you out of heaven, and that's true. But if you truly love Jesus and you commit a sin in your life, you feel terrible. Remember before, before you knew Jesus and you, you committed sins all the time, you didn't care. Right? You, you might have felt bad for about 10 minutes, but you're able to brush it under the rug and forget about it, move on with your life. But now that you belong to God, now that you have placed your faith in Him, His Spirit lives in you. And when you do something contrary to the Spirit of God in your life, that Spirit's going to say something to you. And you're going to hear it. And it's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to put you under conviction. Because you love God and you know you hurt Him. It's like when I make Nicole mad. Do, 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 do any other fellows end up making your wife mad sometimes? Yeah, yeah. You know it, right? You know you're in trouble. They, they give you, I, I can't speak to the woman's side of this. I know I cross-dressed one time, but that doesn't make me a woman, so I don't understand that side of it. So I'm speaking from the male side of it. But... But I, when Nicole's mad at me, I know it. She's, she's not talking to me. She's walking around the house like she's mad about something. And I know there's something there, but she, I have to get her to tell me what it is. Or sometimes I know what it is. And I just don't want to admit it. <laughs> but I love her. And at some point, my love for her is going to overcome that, that selfishness and pride. And I'm going to go to her and, and talk to her and say, God, Nicole, what did I do? Or, Nicole, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have reacted that way. And that's how it is with God. When we sin, after we've, we've known God, when we, we, we put our faith in Him, the internally secure work, and then we mess up, we know we've hurt God and we cannot rest until we make it right with Him because of how much we love Him. And we know because we, He loves us that if we go to Him, just as we did before and say, God, I'm sorry. His forgiveness and his love is still there. If you truly love God, you will be eternally secure because every time you sin, you will know it and you will confess it to him. And then you'll ask his spirit to help you overcome. You know God loves you and his way is the best for you. Your heart understands and feels the pain that your sin causes him and your neighbor. 
that love will keep you eternally secure because it will drive you to confess and believe. You see, faith is a decision moment by moment. No one ever loses their salvation. They choose to not believe anymore. Lost implies that it somehow wandered off on its own and you can't you misplaced it or somehow. That's not what happened. You knew exactly you know exactly what happened. You made a decision that was against the will of God. But that love of God in your heart, that love of God in your heart makes you perfect. And it's perfecting you. And continuing in faith is allowing his love, that love that's in your heart perfecting you to influence you. And your continuing faith makes you eternally secure. But what drives your faith, what drives your belief is your love for God. So the question you have to ask yourself is, how much do I love God? Do I love him above everything else? Do I love him more than my family? Do I love him more than my, my spouse? Do I love him more than my kids? Do I love him more than the money in my bank account? Do I love him more than my flag in my country? Do I love him more? Do I love him enough to trust and have faith that he has good things for me and good things for all those things I worry about? Do I, do I have faith in that work that is eternally secure and forever done? And can I choose to make to, to decide to follow Jesus each and every step of the way? This morning, I don't know where you're at, but we're, Barry's going to come back up and, and Jeremy, we're going to sing a song here at the end. But as we sing it, and it's, it's a familiar song, it says, I've decided to follow Jesus. But as you sing the words this morning, ask yourself, do I really mean what I'm saying? Do I really mean this? Do I really love God enough to do this and enter this journey? Because it's going to be challenging. But it's going to be full of love and his blessings along the way. Barry and Jeremy, would you come?